We are live fans. I'm Christina Silva. I just wanted to give you a few quiet moments to get ready to receive an amazing testimony with Creative Resiliency Solutions brought to you by a very special leader and mentor that I met, yes, six years ago. We want to first talk about the excellence of referrals, network marketing, and appreciating camaraderie, because that is how I met our beloved guest, Vincent L. Howard. Now he is a chief master sergeant at the United States Air Force and he's been retired for 11 years, but he bears the same principles that all of our airmen, guardsmen, Marines, naval sailors, army soldiers, and coast guardsmen bear. That is esprit de corps, sempra supra. We're going to learn highlights from his life in professional uniform as the first sergeant with the longest career that has helped our men and women in uniform realize their resiliency toolkit. And those principles are embedded in his blood and so are the sands, beaches, and beautiful areas of West Africa. Welcome to the Christina Silva Show, Vincent L. Howard, author and command master sergeant retired. Hi, Christina, thank you for having me. I, appreciate, I really appreciate this opportunity. You're most welcome. There are so many areas of your life that I can start with, but I know in our lives, when we grow up, such as where you did in San Diego, that higher education is key. And in your case, where you're from, higher education is king. Let's talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and why you know your heritage is so important and how it has influenced you with parental principles intact. Well, I grew up in Southeast San Diego in the, I was, uh, I'm a 70s, 70s baby. I grew up in the 1970s. Um, my mother is a, a teacher. Um, I have a brother who's a professor. So um, education was always uh, something that kept us uh, focused and it, it allowed us to, uh, to be more than what we were. We weren't, um, we weren't rich. Um, we were actually homeless. We lived in, um, uh, the, the mountains outside of San Bernardino for some time. Um, and, and after that, we went, uh, we bounced from house to house, living with the uh, different friends until um, my mother, um, she kept grinding, she kept working, and she showed us by her example what hard work does and what education does. And she ended up, you know, with a master's degree and um, uh, and, and raised all of us to, uh, to get higher level degrees as well. Myself, uh, obviously going into the military and get my degree through that, but um, always proud. And it led me to um, seek education, That's not necessarily in school, in school as well, but just uh, education of self, education about um, the things that I'm passionate about. And it gives me a power that, uh, that has lasted me from the seventies when I grew up to this very day. Yes. Well, you speak of power and we are going to talk about acronyms during the show today, especially when it comes to domains and tenants. There are four of them that truly help everyone, civilian and military, survive the wiles, ups, downs and valleys of life. And also when you reach a peak in life like you have, having retired out of the military, working as a professional DOD civilian and now embarking upon a new career, you have to know which hat to wear how to gauge your rhythm and how to meet that crossroads with confidence and a level of life experience security that you're gonna take the right path. So sure. when there are five paths to choose from, which all of us have so much at our fingertips with digital impressions and computers and everything, let's say as a 19 year old, what did you choose before you joined the Air Force to pursue? 
Well, some of those some of those choices were uh, were wise. Not that many, actually. Um, <laughs> most of those choices were um, unwise, which is, you know, 19, uh, 18, 17 year olds tend to make. But um, I tried to go to college. Uh, you know, that didn't work. Um, I tried to, um, you know, prior to joining the military, I, you know, I had various jobs. I had probably at least, you know, six or seven jobs. And uh, each one of them let me, each one of them gave me something. I'd work at, you know, McDonald's. I worked in Popeye's. I worked as a, a janitor in the school. Um, I stopped working completely. Um, I gave blood, you know, I mean, for uh, for money. And I don't know if they still do that, but ba back then you could give blood for $8 and a donut. So uh, that $8 and a donut went a long way back in, in 1981, 1982. So um, I made lots and lots of choices. I, and one of the choices I make that, that it ended up okay, but I wasn't a school guy. I, I, I didn't, um, and it's probably because I couldn't see very well. So I couldn't pay, I didn't pay attention, but I wasn't a school guy. So I didn't really pursue that road until, until later. But all of that adds up to a, to a strength if you don't let it defeat you. So each job, not being a great school guy, barely graduated high school, um, finally the military, finally, uh, each one of those is a crossroad that some of it involved luck, um, thankfully for me, because uh, I didn't always make the best choices. Oh, yes. Well, you came from a background of faith and also a background of wanting to aspire toward your dreams. Did you ever dream that you would become an Air Force Chief Master Sergeant in your life? Never. Never, never, never. I, I could not. <laughs> I could not even see that. I, I, I just joined as some kid off of the uh, southeast San Diego, off the streets of southeast San Diego, and I just wanted to do something besides mop. And um, my my mother was also she was in the reserves. My father um, was in the military. My grandfather was in the military, and they tried to talk to me about it um, prior to. And I resisted it. And, you you know, back then I was like, I, ain't nobody cutting my hair. But um, I got hungry enough that, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But I never thought that I'd uh, be anything. I was happy when I made sergeant. I thought that that was it for me. I was and I would have been happy retiring sergeant. But I kept uh, trying my best and, you know, um, doing my thing. And I couldn't believe when I ended up as a first sergeant, much less um a chief master sergeant or a command chief master sergeant. Still, it's it's a little amazing that somebody like me could could do that. Oh yes. Well, when you say somebody like me from the mountains to the elite, anchoring that chevron onto your uniform as a nine rocker, we call it, and having that star as a first sergeant, you never outlive it. And people call you chief. Did you have any other military nicknames that you developed over the years? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there, there, there's a few, all of them complimentary. Um, <laughs> um, there, there was a time when I was a young senior NCO and they asked me, um, uh, um, we were in a meeting and they said, hey, well, you know, the wing says this, the wing says that. And I said, you know, I don't care. I'm the wing. When you hear, when, when I'm talking, that's the wing talking. So from then on, I became godfather because I said, you know, in the meeting as a young Master Sergeant, that I am, I am the wing, which oh. later um, that turned into different names, uh, you know, uh, Baba, that, you know, just all of it involved. And I'm, I'm really a humble person, but um, they were frustrating me in this meeting because uh, no one wanted to act because they said the wing or the base leadership hadn't acted. So, you know, just as with my youthful 
enthusiasm, saying, I, as a matter of fact, it's one of the most favorite things I have in my office. One of, one of my going aways is the young master sergeant. It's uh, Master Sergeant Vince Howard, um, the bodyguard. I am the wing. And, you know, that's in my office to this very day. Um, it, it just reminds me that um, it, it's mindset. It, it's, yes. it's a mindset. My goodness, you've been all over the world thanks to the Air Force. Thank you for your service. 30 years is a long time, but the two months and four days, that just is the icing <laughs> on the cake. You just couldn't give up. And did you miss it when you first retired? We'll talk about the transitionary period that you went through because most, many percentages of retirees stay on and perfect what they had given back in as a Department of Defense civilian leader. Is that true? That that is true, and in a sense, you know, I was tired when I retired. I was mm -hmm. tired. Um, I'd spent 15 years as a first sergeant. There had been nobody in the Air Force who was the first sergeant longer than me. Um, two years demanding as uh, command chief master sergeant for a base of 8,000, and um, there was no rest um, ever. Something was always happening. So when I finally retired and I uh, had my huge ceremony, um, I, I was I got to exhale, but. The next morning I woke up and I go, okay, so now what, you know, who am I now? Mm -hmm. um, I'd spent basically my, my entire identity was the military, the um, everything I have, uh, my education, all the money in my pocket, um, any notoriety I had was all from the military and it was over. So um, I don't know if missing it is the right word, but just wondering who, who am I now? I spent my entire adult life uh, in the military and I didn't really know um, what what came next? So I you know I filled that up with what I did know, and that was uh, eating and drinking, mm -hmm. and that was uh, that was for some time. And I you know I, I gained a lot of weight. I, I went over three hundred pounds, which is the subject of another book. Yes, um, and before I came back again, got, came back to my senses and uh, found some purpose in in helping people, and uh, got my life back on track. It was really reckless there for a while. Yes, sir. Well, everyone, we are listening to an up close and personal, very valuable testimony from our chief master sergeant retired, someone I met through a very dear person that I revere. I know he gets tired of me saying that he taught me everything I know about A, public speaking, B, about positivity, C, about resiliency, social, spiritual, mental and physical resilience. Chief Master Sergeant Brian Blue, he's got to be one of your greatest friends and mentors, and that is how we connected. I was traveling the world trying to find myself in wanting to give back, because when you're looking for your purpose and you're at that crossroads and you want to stay attached to the military because it's all you know, you've got to ask for help. You've got to get connected to, to people that will trust in you. And whether you're a dependent of the military, a civilian or a retiree or veteran, Someone is waiting to help you. So here is a salute and kudos to Chief Master Sergeant Retired Brian Blue, who is still serving just like yourself, helping our guardsmen and airmen and their families remain on course and through their crossroads with a positive toolkit called Resilience. So tell us a little bit about Mr. Chief Master Sergeant Retired Blue and how it is that you guys had fun times and what did you laugh about leading not only 8,000, but going to deployments and coming back, but understanding at that rank how to release to each other with that trust and respect and confidentiality. Oh, we had such a, we had such a good time together, Chief Blue and I. Um, we were uh, we started off as first sergeants together, and then when I assumed the position of uh, command chief mess sergeant, he was um, my my senior my chief um, first sergeant. So he took care of everything uh, first sergeant related. Um, Something funny about Chief Blue and I is we were both um, former boxers. So um, 
to, to have fun uh, on the base one time, we decided that we were going to do a, a boxing match. And he and I, uh, Chief Blue is a, is a big guy. Um, he's a strong man, even to this day. Both of us are old men now, but um, back then he was a strong man. I was a strong man. So he thought it might be funny uh, and fun for the base to go, oh, Chief Howard, Chief Blue, Chief Howard, Chief Blue. But what they didn't know was that it was going to be a scripted fight. Chief Blue didn't even know that at first, too. But then I told him, he was like, what do you mean scripted? I said, I'm going to win. <laughs> I'm the Comanche. I'm gonna win. So we're gonna we're gonna have like a crazy finish where you know I end up knocking him out. Then somebody runs in. Then I knock him out. You know, uh, WWE style. And Chief Blue was um, he's also an actor, um, and so he he casted me in a play. So we we had this whole um, drama that only he and I knew about. And one other person, um, Chief Master and Aubrey Herrera, and. Um, we were going to have some fun with the bass on that one. It was going to be, you know, we were going to yell and scream and everything and, and, and it really build it up. And, uh, but then my boss told me I couldn't do it because, oh, <laughs> you know, even then, you know, I had, you know, bad knees, bad heart. He was like, I can't have you having a heart attack. And I tried to tell him boss, you know, it's, uh, it's just for fun. He's like, no, nope, can't, you know, so, but we were going to have fun doing that. We, we talked about that now. Now he tries to pretend that uh, he didn't realize it was going to be scripted, but, no way, you know, it's my base. No way I'm going to lose, you know, um, oh, uh, boxing. Well, just so much fun when you're in charge of morale, welfare, and recreation at yeah. your level, and you're a first sergeant, you're learning about circumstances, triumphs, and challenges, and also those travails that come along from cradle to the grave. But the Air Force is a career that can take you around the world and get you your education and to your master's degree. And tell us about some of the deployment areas you went from Guam to overseas. Where did you really love the topography and what did you see and learn? Well, the no, what's, what's really relevant is the first, because, you know, uh, and this is true for Chief Blue and I, too. We, when we joined, we, were, we joined during the Cold War. And it was uh, it's interesting that, you know, we're big bases. Um, we did our exercises there. There was no real, I mean, you know, before us, there was, you know, Vietnam, but there was no real uh, heavy deployment presence. And I remember um, uh, starting late 80s, uh, 90, um, when they said, uh, when, you know, Desert Shield, and they go, okay, so, um, you know, we're headed to a Saudi, Prince Sultan, and we're going, what? <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> What what's that? You know, you're well, you're in the military, and so now that would be um, an odd question. But back then, we were. I'm, I'm stationed, you know, here. I'm, what do you mean? You know, Prince Sultan uh, in Saudi, and um, that was, you know, we had trained for this, so it wasn't a. Um, it wasn't as it was scary. It yes. was scary. Um, didn't know what to really what to expect, but it's memorable because it was the first one, and we kind of kicked off this generation. Um, uh, going to a uh, uh, PSAB and it, it it's it's a different deployment than it is now. Back then, I mean, there was no uh, internet. I mean, there was no emails. There was no uh, we couldn't do this back in, in ninety. I, I think email became a thing in ninety or ninety one or something like that. So that was more of a you know standing in line, getting a phone card, and being able to use it, having you know fifteen minutes that you could use to uh, to talk on the phone. But when you think back, it was a uh, it started off a, a scary time, but it ended up a uh, um, yeah, a fun time. Um, and that, that's weird because, you know, Desert Shield, Desert Storm was, was not a fun time. But you think back, doing what we had trained to do. And I remember that back then I was a medic and, uh, you know, we would go out into the field and, you know, stay out there for a week, two weeks, you know, tented like like MASH, you know. Right. Anybody remember MASH? Yes, of course. 
barely, but um, it, it, we 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 and in coming together, there was just a um, a love and appreciation for doing you know what we had trained to do. So there was never um, there was there was missing, but never any fear. You know, one time you know a little bit later down the road when we got uh, you know and I'm I'm flying with uh with AWACS and we got. Uh, uh, you know, the, the IFF went off and that's, uh, you know, identify f- friend or f- foe. And okay. um, I'm first sergeant by then. I'm I'm, I'm in seat five on the E3. And, um, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an air crew member, but I'm like, that doesn't sound you know, that doesn't sound right. And they explained it to me that uh, what that means is, you know, we, we just got targeted by someone we don't recognize. Um, if it was a friend, it'd be something different. But this is someone we don't recognize with so automatic foe. So I'm going, uh, OK, so, you know, you don't want to show it. You never want to show it. I'm the first sergeant now, so I can't show it. I had no idea what was going on, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, uh, you know, I put on my first sergeant face and, you know, did my nods and walked up and down. You know, E3 is a big aircraft, so I could, you know, see and everybody was good, you know, because they, they, you know, their aircrews, they were used to it. But yeah. um, uh, that was, a, you know, that was a shake me up. They would try to shake it. They would, you know, we were doing uh, counter drug missions and um, they would try to shake us up. They would, uh, they would just target us and see if they could you know, scare us out of the sky, et cetera. But, Again, I, I was shook up in the moment. Nobody knows. As a matter of fact, I hope nobody from my unit is uh, is watching this. And they won't know that, that at the time I really was. Uh, I really was shook on the inside, but not on the outside, never on the outside. Yes, but sir. all of it is just uh, um, things that brought us together to make us that make us military that, um, that that we're proud of. Whatever little part we had, I think my part was very small, but I'm proud of whatever I did to uh, to affect uh, um, the the interests of our of our nation and to, to safeguard it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. One for saying that training and readiness is what can get you through any circumstance, especially military readiness, being deployed and calling the answer to a duty that puts your life in danger and your comrades. And then when you're a leader, you have an extra added layer of intensity. But you also have people you can talk to that know about that intensity so that when that intensity dissipates, you can go and talk to them about that. And that is really important. Some of us are extroverts and some are introverts. And with you as our special guest, Vincent L. Howard on The Christina Silva Show, Educating Our Veterans Live is a community responsibility. So those that may want to join the Air Force, they can know about the relationships, the brotherhood, the opportunities and the benefits and also the pride and patriotism that comes from serving. And you stayed. So tell us about from First Sergeant, how you made it up to the very top elite command chief master sergeant role. I tell you, you know, I made master sergeant fairly early in my career. Um, I became a first sergeant back then. We had to go before panel of the the basis um, um, commander, um, a colonel, the chief master, the, the senior enlisted advisor, the command chief, and and senior first sergeant convinced them that uh, you were worthy of it. And I, you know, back then medics, I was a medic. Um, we were held in high military regard, and we wore a white uniform. Sometimes our clinic was off the base, so it was tough to convince them of it. It was tough to convince myself um, to do it, but um, I convinced them to do it, and I ended up doing it for. Um, 11 years. And I'll tell you, I didn't get promoted for most of those years. And um, I was used to being promoted, but I, I just kept on. And when I wasn't getting promoted, the first uh, couple of years, I'm going, I'm going to get promoted. And then I did. And then the next couple of years, um, I got down on myself and I said, maybe I'm not as good as I, maybe I never was as good. Now that I'm in the big leagues, maybe it's showing that I'm not as good as I thought I was. The next couple of years, then I got mad. 
And I go, yes, I am. And uh, the Air Force doesn't recognize, um, recognize me. And uh, then I got bitter. Um, and then the next couple of years, I settled down and go, you know, but I love what I'm doing. I love taking care of these people. I love my position. Um, if I retire as a Master Sergeant E7, you know, I'm good with it. Um, I'm just going to keep doing what I do and uh, trying to do it as best I can. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. And as soon as I stopped worrying about it, this was after 10 years as a Master Sergeant. Wow. Then I got promoted to E8, E9, just like that. And I was going to get out. But I got promoted to E8 and I was going to get out because I told my wife I'm not going to chase E9 like I chased E8. And then I got promoted that right away. And then I was going to get out again. And then uh, um, in the Air Force, the, the base commander picks his command chief master sergeant. And I happened to be filling in for a friend of mine, Tom Schwenk. And um, the base commander came in and he told me to my face that I'm not going to choose you as my permanent uh, command chief. Um, I got somebody else in mind. And I go. Okay, Colonel, I'm I'm good with that because I'm again I'm used to disappointments and I kind of didn't want that anyway. I'm thinking command chief should be some strategic genius, genius or a war hero, something like that. And I consider myself very average. So when the uh, commander came in and told me that, that this is uh, then Colonel John Cherry, um, I, I, I exhaled and I said, "Good, I'll just fill in until the guy comes or the or the or the." She comes and um, I'll step back into my role as a first sergeant. Then he worked with me for about 30 days and he changed his mind and decided that he wanted me to be his command chief. And um, I, I thought I might have been in over my head a little bit, but I said, just like with everything else, I'm going to give this my best shot. And we did well. We did well with, with men like um, Brian Blue. And I talked about Aubrey Herrera and there, there's, there's John Cocker. There's just so many others that are unsung heroes, maybe not legends to anybody else, but they're legends to me. Um, we ended up uh, winning the the uh, Sink Award, which is uh, the award that is given to the to the top installation, United States Air Force. Uh, gave us a million dollars so we could do some things for our, for our community. So we did that. We did that well. And ultimately, I was named um, as one of the 25 most influential African Americans in Arizona. And I'm proud of that because I didn't put in for it. My boss didn't put me in for it, but my people did without me knowing. And I I got uh, surprised with that. So it really there's highs, there's lows, there's wins, there's losses, but ultimately you just uh, keep grinding, keep doing what you love. And even if none of that would have happened, I'd have been very, very happy as a master on taking care of my people. The rest is, was, was, was gravy, but, and I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. From medic to first sergeant to command chief master sergeant, you had, what a crazy world. <laughs> you had a belief, you had surety, you had encouragement, you had discouragement, you had disbelief, you had self-doubt, you had all of these things. And, and anger, don't forget anger, I was really mad. <laughs> then you got angry, then you got bitter, then you got, okay, I'm gonna try again, wait a minute, I'm gonna speak up, I'm gonna do the part, I love what I do, you kept on going, showed perseverance, and in this interview, in only 19 minutes, you've exhibited every part of true and total resilience. So those creative resiliency solutions, all the listeners in the world and myself can take your story and apply it to what's happening right now. This is a crossroads. We're all in it. What I'm looking to do is something that doesn't exist. I want to be real estate investor gone building homes for veterans because the homeless interest rates are amazing. There aren't any places to live. The veterans are the best buyers on the planet with the benefits we earn from serving. And then I want to be a commentator. I'm doing it with you. Sometimes you just have to act it out. And when everything looks like dark and it doesn't seem like those two industries mix in an economy like we're in facing the debt ceiling and we're veteran retirees and we're hoping the government can make our payment next month we've got to get action going so let's just keep going 
your resolve and what outlets you have being an author and a hobbyist playing music and singing does for you while you're creating your plan as everything else in the world is changing, you're constantly looking for a new role where you can capitalize on what's going wrong. Right, sir? That is absolutely correct. Take it away. Well, I'm, you know, um, these things, I feel like uh, I'm, uh, I'm more than just one thing. I'm more than just a retired command chief. I'm more than just right now. I, I run resiliency and diversity and suicide prevention programs, but I'm more than that too. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm also, um, like, a, like I said, uh, Chief Blue and I were, were fighters. We're both undefeated fighters. So I feel like I'm a fighter in my heart and it's helped me in my life. I just keep, you know, when I get hit, I keep going. But in my spirit, I feel um, like an artist that I never really got to um, uh, pursue that. My mother couldn't afford any music mm -hmm. lessons or instruments or anything. So when I retired, I just decided to, uh, I always wanted to play the piano. So I just taught myself the piano and nice. got these uh, books and YouTubes and it was having me go, you know, like this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just want to play the piano. So I just started doing stuff until <laughs> it started sounding like, you know, something that I could recognize. Um, I'm not interrupted. My brother is also a musician. He has a band, a Maturation Soul. And he's um, he knows musical history and um, he's a real musician. But, you know, I'm not interested in musical theory, musical history, anything. I just want to sing the song and play the piano. That's all I want to do. So that's what I did. Um, and and uh, ancestry, my ancestry feeds me as well. Um, yeah. more than just what you see. And I, I was proud to find out that um, what my ancestry is, what the spread is. I found out that I'm a mixture of 16 different um, countries, 90% um, Sub-Saharan African, but others as well. And I'm proud of every single one of those. Um, that just gave, gave me a sense of, uh, of power and uh, um, that you know all Americans came from somewhere. Well, yeah. most Americans came from somewhere and so did my ancestors. So I was pleased to know um, from where they might've came. But then I went through, uh, took it one step farther and went through African ancestry. They do something a little bit different. They don't tell you the spread. They tell you the single farthest they can go back by science. So I know paternally that uh, I go, I, they can go far back to the Bisa tribe in Burkina Faso and um, uh, maternally through the Temi tribe in Sierra Leone. And that just gives me a sense of, you know, it just makes me smile. I, just, I like to know I'm, I'm proud that I'm American, but I'm also proud of my, of my heritage and knowing what it is and being able to pass that on to my children. So yes. there's a lot of things that, that feed me. Um, and so I'm never bored. I always got, I'm, I'm writing or I'm learning Swahili or I'm, uh, playing my piano, I'm singing, or I'm, you know, I'm doing this or that. I'm just, I'm just always doing something that feeds me. So your Swahili phrase will be for the listeners. I get ikiwa hujua una poenda yote itekupeleko huko. That is uh, Swahili for if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Good gracious! That's, that's just that's just that's just one off the top. But um, the uh, I know I know only start off with Nina Fudaka I'm very pleased to meet you. Oh my goodness! You speak it with such a perfect accent too. Well, you know, um, that's one of the things I do on my social media. I'm not huge on social media, but I'm a member of a Swahili group, and um, uh, it's people from all over the world that are trying to learn Swahili. So we practice, and which is kind of funny. When you know the, uh, they get the American in there, and, and the way I speak it, they said, "No, no, no! You're speaking it like a woman would speak in Africa. You have to put the emphasis on this word, or that, or this syllable, or that." So women speak it this way, men speak it that way. So there's so many. Um, so I know I don't want to, you know, nothing wrong with speaking like a woman if you, you know. But I'm right. not. I want to speak it like I'm supposed to. But they laughed at me. Like the hand gesture. 
you're animated. The camaraderie there that, that that I enjoy. Oh yes, that's incredible, and not to mention the spicy food and the foo foo. <laughs> enjoy that as well. This is great. So your crossroads has been filled with just all kinds of great stops and great experiences and, and learning circumstances. And we talked about resilience, but from the social aspect of resilience, you just keep a good body of friends around you. From the physical aspect, we know you're a boxer and that your mind is being exercised by piano languages and other things in travel. You've raised your family and you love your, your wife so much and you lived all those years through the military and you're still attached to the military, but you have goals that you can still live. Life doesn't stop right after those two times that you've given more than 30 to 40 years of your life, you're just now beginning. So you find that maturity gives you stories to tell. And that's how you became an author, not only any author, but the one of the 12 finalists of the 2023 Hawthorne Prize. Share with us the Crossroads book, Crossroads, The Long Way Home. I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of that. That's, you know, you, when you're, I consider myself an artist now, um, uh, and my books are my children. And I just, I was just wondering one day what I wouldn't, what, what, I, what would I have been if I wasn't in the military? I could have did this, I could have did that. I looked at my family and I have family members that are in prison. I have family members on death row. I got family members that are doctors. I have family members that are military. I got uh, family members who are working at Hewlett Packard. I got family members who are musicians. So, you know, what, what, what decides who goes where and you know it came up to be decisions so i just started writing uh, i just started writing one day um and again that my book is not completely biographical it's about 10 percent me but i people that know me know what that 10 percent is but people <laughs> that know it, i just go you have to guess the rest is just things that could have been me and i think it just highlights um the fact to make good choices every choice we make um we're can cause a different life a different life in the moment or a different life for tomorrow or a different life 10 years from now. So my character has, you know, five crossroads. I started out with 10, but the book was too long. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, but my publisher thought it was a little long. So I cut it down to five. Um, but he makes, there's five different things that happen to him in a single day. And each one of those decisions that he makes or doesn't make result in a different future. So I just think it's a, it's an interesting premise on the take that you're always one decision away from a totally different life. It's an absolute genius book. The concept is funny. I even cried within the first sampled 100 pages that I read yesterday. Enthralling. <laughs> so hilarious. You've got to check out VincentLHoward.com. Go on Amazon, get the book, and download to your Kindle the sample. It is the best series of dollars you'll spend to be able to see what fiction and a little bit of truth can help you realize about yourself. The first thing I want to say is when I read it, within the first two paragraphs, I was busting up. Like I just relate and related to what you were writing. So you've got to check out Crossroads, The Long Way Home, and five other titles that are not only pending, but hitting back to back each year. Are you self-published? Who has helped you proofread? And what was the publishing process like? Well, the publisher for the, for the first one, it was finding a, pu a, a good publisher that they're mostly they're vanity publishers. In other words, you pay them, they publish a book. Um, but there's different there's different uh, incentives, there's different deals. So I, I settled on one, but for my others, um, now because of the awards of the first book, now I have um, publishers, little, literary agents um, that are, um, but 
it, that almost complicates the art almost for me. Um, I just, I want to write books. I want to create the art, but um, when, when you add literary, this is just for me, um, uh, then it becomes a business. This is not my business. I make money, you know, during the day, this is my art. So I almost don't want to, uh, I just want to do make, write books that people enjoy, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, it makes it easier to publish when you have uh, uh, an agent. Um, but those books involve uh, the, my my second book is actually a true story. It's called um, Why Did Anybody Tell Me I Was Fat? Um, I, I did get up to about 320 pounds from my and I'm again I'm a fighter and I play football and after the military my, my weight just you know zoomed up. Matter of fact, I was pretty heavy when we met, and uh, you probably remember that. <laughs> and, uh, I thought it was all muscle. <laughs> I don't know. You might have thought so, but um, I got to 320. I went back to 195, and I want to tell my journey of how. Oh my get, how, how, you know, it's a slippery slope, you know, two pounds a year, you know, adds up. And, then I come back. and I try to make that, that one, I hope, is a very humorous. And then I have a book um, um, called uh, Charity Street, and it's based on uh, a family um, that's growing up in the early 1900s. And this is actually based on my own family. My grandmother was adopted. And through um, a searching uh, ancestor, I found out who her adopted mother and father were. So I wrote a book as to what might what life might would have been like if, she, she hadn't been adopted. So it's it's historical fiction because I wasn't there, but I'm just, and I think that's really interesting. It's more dramatic, but there's a there's a message in that. I like the book. I like uh, writing a book called um, um, Kabbalah um, about a, a warrior. And it's uh, based on um, a warrior of Sierra, uh, Sierra Leone in, oh. in deference to my uh, heritage um, that uh, fought against the British as just as an African warrior. And he lost, but he fought hard, which is, you know, Sometimes when you're an underdog, fighting hard is all you can do. Um, Thomas Sankara, I found out, is a, um, a president, a John F. Kennedy-ish president from Burkina Faso, who was assassinated. I think that's yes. something that people need to know about. And then my last book is just for fun, because I'm a fighter. It's called Canastota, where the Boxing Hall of Fame is. And um, that's just a, a fantasy book about all the great fighters fighting against each other to see who's the greatest. And that's that's a fun book. That's probably, I'll probably be the only one to read that, me and uh, Brian Blue, but um, I enjoy all of my art, and uh, I enjoy all of that creative process of, of writing these books. So those are what I have planned right now. And what's your favorite song to sing before we wrap it up with a tip of resilience from you there? Oh, it, it you know, it depends. I mean, um, the uh, the, la the song that I have on YouTube that has the most hits is... Um, 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 it's not the Elton John one, is it? No, no, no. It's um, gosh, it's uh, uh, the shallow, far from the shallow. Yeah. Not that one, yeah. Oh, I love that song. I, I don't, I don't know why. Um, I did some songs with my brother. I, you know, my my songs. You know, that I'm just, yeah. I just like to do it. So I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I like uh, singing all kinds of music. I, I know that um, country songs are the simplest to play because sure. they have very few chords to it. But mm -hmm. I, I like all kinds of music. Well, we know that you probably sang gospel as a kid and you tore up in church. <laughs> I did something for church. A safety tip for us for the summertime and for those that are deployed and those that are home and those that have lost someone, what would you like to say to everybody listening as we close out knowing about the crossroads? Okay, so I have I have different things that I say, but the, I think one of the most important that I said in Swahili is, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you can do anything okay. and you'll get to nowhere. But you got to know, you got to have an idea and just keep grinding till you get there. And along with that, I want to say, um, 
I, I firmly believe in fixing the roof when the sun is shining. I don't want to wait until yes. I have hard times. I don't want to wait until I struggle. I don't want to wait till my relationships are battered. I don't want to wait until I feel low. I, I build on it all the time. There's no limit to my strength. So mm -hmm. I'm going to work it until, because I never know how much I'm going to need. I never yes. know how good of a friend I need to be, how good of a dad I need to be. So fix the roof when the sun is shining. Don't wait for it to start raining. You might be able to fix it, but it's going to be a lot easier if you work on it when things are good. You're going to have a lot more energy and, and, and it's going to work better when things go bad because in all of our lives, rain will fall. Most definitely. Educating our veterans live is our special guest, Vincent L. Howard. He's the author of Crossroads, The Long Way Home, and several other titles coming your way. Oprah Winfrey, we hope you're listening because this book belongs in your book club. And we can also say that we want you to self-talk, be positive, learn about your social, physical, mental, and your spiritual domains and tenets. Boost yourself up. And if you can't, call a friend. There's somebody we want to mention at the end of the show when I met Chief Howard and she talked about things in life that can be dangerous and she sings about it. Her name is Jolene Dedman Renato. And we want to thank you Jolene for singing and being a Thompson Blue Air Force member because dangerous with every Christina Silva show, we give you a vocabulary word. So you're knowledgeable about how to have creative resiliency solutions in your own life Dangerous means able or likely to cause harm or injury, like a dangerous animal. Be an animal in the ring of your own life and never give up, said Vincent L. Howard on the Christina Silva Show. Be safe, enjoy your summer, and we'll be back with another show. Maybe our guest will be Brian Blue. Right, Vince? Right, and real quick, huge fan of Jolene Deadman. If you talk to her, please tell her I'm still waiting to sing a song with her. I'm a huge, huge fan. Amazing. Well, to the Deadman Band, you can see her around Arizona, and we will be talking with her later because she will also be a future guest. I'm professing into the world on the Christina Silva Show coming up this summer. So stay tuned and take a look at VincentLHoward.com. Go on Amazon and get your own copy of Crossroads, The Long Way Home. And if you'd like a signed copy, maybe there'll be a book tour coming. Will there? Maybe. And if, even if not, you want a signed copy, I'd be, I'd be honored to send you one. So I, you know I'll come to Arizona. You don't have to. I'll send it to you. Amazing. Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Loved it. Asante sana. Swahili for thank you very oh, much. Oh, my goodness. Muchas gracias. Adios. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Be safe. Semper Fi and Semper Supra.